be the center of this church. Come and take your rightful place, even in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you hear me? You are welcome to Wednesday night Bible service. Hallelujah. Wednesday night Bible service. It is great to see you in church. Amen. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor it's great to see you in church. Oh, tell them like you mean it. Say that, listen, I'm happy to be sitting by you. I was very, very excited when Gus came into my office today. I was very, very happy that you came to church today. Amen. And I'm also happy that you are in church today. Oh, I said I'm happy that you are in church today. Amen. All right. I'm happy to be here because I work here. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 12 to 15. Matthew 21, verse number 12 down to 15. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And then he, and he said to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Father, I pray that you breathe your spirit upon this word in Jesus' name. Amen. My house shall be a house of prayer. That's the title of my discussion this evening. My house shall be a house of prayer but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Amen. And this is the only time we saw Jesus misbehaving, if you like. The only time the narrative of Jesus being gentle, meek, and mild, and carrying a dove, uh, what do you call it, a sheep, a lamb on his, a stray lamp on his shoulder, that picture disappears in this particular um, passage that we have just read hallelujah because when jesus went to the temple and he saw the uh, people selling doves and selling um, sheep and changing money they were he was very furious and the bible said he made a cord of um, a rope like a wire a whip you know if you're in south africa they could call it shambok he made some shamboks and he went to town with a shambok. Hallelujah. He went to town and he whipped people. He was very violent. And he actually did not suit our um, pictorial image of gentle Jesus, meek and mouth. Hallelujah. He was so, the Bible uses the word indignant. He was so furious. Amen. And I've heard 
preachers preach about this particular subject or this particular uh, passage and uh, they say he was not angry because of the sellers of doves. He was not angry because of the sellers of sheep. Because part of the service was as the sacrifice of doves and sheep. So he couldn't have been angry with the sellers who are selling sheep. Because people don't come all the way from, let's say they are coming from outside town. Because they came from everywhere, you know, to worship. So you can carry, if you are walking maybe uh, 100 miles or 200 miles, you can carry a poor sheep 100 miles all the way to the temple. And then when you get to the temple, you slaughter it. So you come with money. And then when you get there, there are people selling sheep. So you just buy the sheep and then you go in to have your worship. Are you with me? Some came from further upfield. So they came with their own currency. And so when they got there, they had to change the currency to the uh, currency of the place where Jerusalem was. Are you with me? So they could buy the sheep or buy the doves and use the doves for the worship. So it's almost as if they were legitimately there doing business. So the answer, or the question is, why did Jesus get so angry with these people? If they were supposed to be there and they are doing their um, normal business, what was the problem? Are you, are you getting a picture and painting? What was the problem with Jesus getting angry? People need doves. People need sheep to sacrifice as part of the service. Just as we come to church, people need to give offering. So assuming somebody has um, maybe a cash point there to facilitate people giving offering. So you go to the cash point, you can um, withdraw money and then use the money as part of your worship. I don't particularly see anything wrong with that. But when we read on, then the, what the, 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 the statement Jesus makes kind of gives us an indication of why he was angry. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. Thieves because anytime you introduce human commerce, you introduce people um, making business, you introduce thievery. You introduce people making a quick buck. They will buy sheep, maybe from the farmer for 100 bucks and come and sell it 150 bucks. Sometimes they will bring a sheep that is deaf and dumb and blind and they will pretend as if that sheep is, can see everything and can hear everything and sell it to you for a high, high price and use it, give it to you to go and... <laughs> Hallelujah. But before we are quick to judge them, let's look at the first statement Jesus makes. The first statement he says that it is written, my house shall be a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. 
Full stop. In other words, what he was trying to say is that the church of God is solely for one purpose, where heaven meets humanity, where there's a, a divine exchange between heaven and earth. Like um, in Genesis 28, 17, when Jacob got up uh, from his dream, he said that surely this is a wonderful place because this is the place of God. Because he had a vision where there was a ladder between the earth to heaven where angels were ascending and descending. So Jacob made a prophecy that surely this is going to be the place where the house of God will be situated. Am I making sense? So he says that this place is none other than the house of God. Because in the house of God, heaven kisses the earth. Where people come into the house of God for one reason and one reason alone. To have an encounter with God. But you have made it into other things apart from an encounter with God. Today, people come to church for all sorts of reasons. Hallelujah. There's all sorts of reasons why we come to church. Before we start casting stones at this money changes, let us look at ourselves. Why are you here? Are you here to exchange commerce? Are you here to sell some doves? Are you here to get a boy? Or get a girl? When the bad boys finish roaming around town and they want to a wife, they say, let us go to the house of the Lord. We can find some saints there. And the bad girls will also do the same. After they've been everywhere else, they say, I surrender, I surrender all. And they come to surrender everything. Only God knows what they are surrendering. <laughs> they are hanging their player and the pimp cart. <laughs> Amen. He says, my house shall be a house of what? Prayer. It is not a house of playing. It is not a house of discussion. It's not a house of business. It's not a house of uh, any other thing. It's a house of what? Prayer. I finished my message. In case you are wondering if there was anything else coming. That's the end of the message. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, when man's men take charge of the house of God, they behave the way these guys were behaving. When men take charge of the house of God, they manipulate things. They sell things for the worship of God. So it's like, it's man. Why Jesus was angry was because men had brought their cleverness, they had brought their business acumen into the house of God. And so, anytime any spirit enters, which is contrary to the spirit of God, the spirit of God retreats. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The spirit of God is such a gentleman that when you don't reverence him and you don't give him his due place and you try to do anything, manipulate, his, you manipulate him for anything else, he pulls out and then you have money changers. You have dove sellers. You have a sheep 
sellers in the house of God rather than the presence of God. My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Anytime we don't allow the presence of God in the house of God to rule and to have preeminence, men come in. I don't know whether you're understanding the message. I told you I finished preaching. I'm trying to explain the preaching that I preached. <laughs> I don't know whether you get it. Hallelujah. What is the reputation of this house? What is the reputation of the church? Every church that is known for any other thing apart from prayer is an introduction of dove changes. Oh, they sing very good in that church. The music is nice in that church. Oh, there are nice ladies in that church. The men are really buff in that church. It's money changes. There are legends in the church. Uh, hallelujah. There are a lot of beautiful single girls in the church. No. Any church where you don't feel the presence of prayer is not a church. What Jesus was fighting and, and going to town with a, uh, with a whip was not because people were there or people were doing business, but they had driven the Spirit of God away from the place. Hallelujah. Today, I want us to understand that prayer is the paramount thing. Even beyond the word of God. Because when prayer is actually speaking the word of God to God. Are you with me? We are dealing with prayer. And you see that some of the things we do is not prayer. I don't know whether you understand what. Some of the things we do during prayer is not prayer. Can I explain that bit before we continue the sermon? A lawyer going to court without a knowledge of the law has lost already. Because everything else he's going to do, who has watched that, uh, is it Danny DeVito movie? My, uh, what's the name of that movie? When the guy is not a lawyer, he pretended to be a lawyer because his cousin had a problem. What's that, that movie called? Somebody should find the, the title of the movie for me. You see, he was doing well and, until the point where the judge asked the, a legal question and he could not answer the question and that was what caught him out. And he was almost imprisoned for impersonating a lawyer. It's, it's a criminal offense to impersonate a lawyer in a courthouse. A lot of us come to pray without knowledge of the Bible. And we are, we are behaving like this guy. Find the, the name of the guy and put the, the picture on there. My cousin something. Vinny. My cousin Vinny. I think that's the movie. My cousin Vinny. He was not a lawyer 
He was somebody who went with his cousin because his cousin had a problem, a legal problem, and he went to represent his cousin as a lawyer. And he was quoting a lot of nonsense, calling it law. Hallelujah. A lot of us come and we quote a lot of nonsense. You see, prayer is presenting your case before God. Yes, that's the movie. My cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny. That guy. He was the lawyer. It's a very, very old movie. You, you know, no, no, f- f- put, put the picture off. People are focusing on the picture rather than me. Okay. Let me explain. Let me explain something to you. Satan knows the law. Satan knows the word of God. Satan is the accuser in the midst of the brethren. And Satan is here accusing you before God and telling God the reason why I shouldn't bless you with what you are looking for. Now you have the constitution, which is the word of God. Are you with me? And any smart lawyer knows how to use the constitution to get what he needs. Am I making sense? So if you know the word of God, you can say that it is written. Are you with me? It is written that my God shall supply all my needs. And so I have come in the strength of this word. And I'm standing in the authority of the word to demand something. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is what prayer is. Prayer is not just blabbing and say, oh God, you know my troubles. Oh God, I'm so frustrated. Oh God. So a lot of things we call prayer is actually not prayer. <laughs> I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because prayer that doesn't stand on the word of God is not prayer. Anything, you see, that is why you need to know the word of God. When you know the word of God, it gives you a certain courage to stand in the presence of God with, you know, I don't know whether you've been with this type of so-called prayer warriors. You know, back in the day, we used to have some people called prayer warriors and they had a prayer accent and they had a prayer look and a prayer feel and stance Lord. You know those people. Those people. Ninety percent of them, today are not Christians. Yes, back in the day. With all their stance and their... Because they had a lot of zeal, but there was no word. They can go into the garden and pray from morning to night. And they pray. And 
Sometimes they will take their t-shirt off and put it on their necks. Prayer gives you power, power, power. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Hey, prayer, prayer, prayer gives you power. Prayer gives you power. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Apalwa, apidiye, apalwa, apidiye, apalwa, apidiye. You are a joker. See, I'm teaching the dove changers and uh, sheep sellers. Somebody will go to a church and say, this church is very powerful. I want to be a member of this church. Because where there's a choir, there's a they, they, they have the prayer yeah. choir. Yeah. 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 We have the people who have the you have. I, mean, I like the soprano. The, from the beginning of the prayer to the end, it's just one line. What constitution are you standing on? What are you standing on? My house shall be a house of prayer means that you are standing on the word. Am I making sense? Prayer is based on the word of God. Prayer is not based on emotions. Prayer is not based on, you know, some... Some feeling like when you, you know, after you've done 18 hours in the garden and sweated, you feel very powerful. And when they walk, they have a certain walk. I say that by the lago of the spirit, we have dealt with that. We have a certain walk. And those were the people they come to church and they don't respect what the word of God is. They don't respect what the pastor is saying. Because it's like, you don't know where we are being. We have been, we have dealt with the Orions and the Mazarots. We have seen all the Pleiades and the... I'm telling you, 20 years on, about 95% of them are not even Christians. Yeah. I've been here for a long time. So take it from me. Prayer is about knowledge of the word of God. You shall know the truth. And the truth, they say, Paul, I know. He knows the word. Jesus, I know. He is the word. You. I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Hey, brother. So, if Paul had made a mistake, you would you know? We want to be a church that is prayerful in actually declaring the word of God. When you have a good lawyer, most of your cases are okay. But anytime you go be before the judge, you know this person. They, they just said that uh, 
Manchester City is in trouble. And they have just gone to hire some QC. That QC charges £85,000 an hour. That QC charges 85000 an hour. And he's one of the best QCs. He's when, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, Johnson was in trouble. The, the prime minister, the, Boris Johnson was in trouble. He was the one that they went to hire. So he's one of the best in the land. Why do you think they are doing that? When it comes to law, the one who knows the law the most guarantees you the best result. When it comes to prayer, the one who knows the word of God can guarantee. That is why when Jesus in uh, Luke 14, Luke 4, when he had um, uh, um, the temp- uh, Ma- sorry, Luke 3, Matthew, uh, Matthew 3, when he had the temptation, what do you think he used? All the three times. It is written, it is written, it is written. When Satan comes to you, what do you use? I'm asking you a question. The church must have a reputation of prayer. Let us not take advantage of, you know, tongues make, to make us lazy. Most charismatic Christians, when you say they should pray one hour without tongues, they wouldn't know what to say. When it comes to prayer, we can, uh, tongues, we can pray 16 hours, no problem. There are churches that, as for 16 hours, 20 hours prayer, no problem. But you ask the same church, pray one hour, no tongues. How deep is your knowledge in the word of God? What Jesus was trying to get at was that the reason why you Pharisees, you scribes, you don't see miracles. You don't see signs and wonders in the church because you have allowed money changes into the temple. Look at, let's look at the next verse. After he had driven out the money changers and the Pharisee uh, and the uh, dove sellers. Verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The miracles, the signs and wonders happened after the self people had been driven out. After the business people had been kicked out. After the people who were about the flesh had been driven out. After the word became preeminent in the house of God, then miracles, signs and wonders Now there was room for the blind and the cripples to get in. Which means that beforehand, there was no room for the blind. There was no room for the cripples to get in. 
But as soon as those people were driven out, then they had room. Can we drive out the money changers? Can we drive out the staff sellers so that there will be room for miracles in the house of God? My house shall be a house of prayer. Hallelujah. A house of prayer, not a den of thieves. You see, when the church does not pray, four things happen. When the church does not pray, and I think I've qualified the prayer. I'm not talking about making noise. I'm talking about, that is why in this church, before a prayer topic is given, a spiritual base is laid. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we are not praying in vacuum. So we are praying according to the word of God. So the good prayer leader will tell us what the scripture is saying and why we are standing on that basis to pray. Am I making sense? Because we are praying the word of God back to him. Not just making noise for the sake of making noise. When the church does not pray, the following things happen. Number one, they lose focus. The guys who were selling doves had lost the focus of what the doves were there for. To them, it was business. How to make a quick buck. It was not even the animal for sacrifice. Because the animal for sacrifice had to be kept in a certain way. They had to be treated in a certain way. If you read Malachi, you see God getting angry and saying that if I were your boss, can you give me this coffin goat? The goat they are bringing to come and sacrifice, the goat is coughing. Goat is coughing. Then they are bringing the goat. And so God said, give it to your bosses and see whether they will be pleased with you. Give that time to your governor and see whether you have any granny points with her. But you bring me sick, blind, and coughing goats. When there is no prayer. You see, and, and don't just look at the church. Look at your life. When you are not prayerful, you lose focus. Everything I'm talking about is the same as your individual life. A Christian who doesn't pray hasn't got focus. It's like a compassless uh, uh, ship. Compassless ship. You are just going, the wind is what is directing you. When the wind blows you to the left, you are the left. When it blows you to the right, you are the right. Hallelujah. Number two, you lose the priority, the right priority. You don't only lose focus, you lose priority. Amen. You don't put first things first. Hallelujah. Most Christians don't put first things first. We just do. And we use prayer as an emergency exit, emergency parachute, emergency break. Prayer is not emergency parachute. Prayer is not emergency break. Am I making sense? Prayer must be deliberate. 
and it has to be at the fore. Uh, I don't know whether you are getting it. Don't ever go anywhere without prayer. You are going into a house. No prayer you have entered. You know where you have gone. You know who lived in that room before you went. Do you know who owned that car before you are sitting in? You don't just do anything like that. Prayer is a very deliberate thing you do. It gives you, it gives you the opportunity to take the advantageous point. Are you with me? You set the fight. You take the fight to the enemy when you pray for God. There's no point praying after you've married the wrong woman. What you got? Three over. What did you call them? Three, three over six. It's okay. It's a new ministry. It's called three point six. It's okay. Uh, three over six. Yeah, three over six. Yeah. There's a mission, three over six. Listen, when you marry a witch or you marry a wizard and you start binding and losing, very little will happen. Because you are binding and losing yourself. Because you are two are together. Two are one. So how can you cast yourself? How, Jesus said, how can uh, Belzebub cast himself out? How many understand what I'm saying? No, 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 no. You don't go before you pray. Am I making sense? Don't look at hips. No. Don't look at hips and bum and breast. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. My friend, sit down. <laughs> no, you'll be making a great mistake. You are looking for a tall, dark, and handsome with a big voice. Ah. Listen, you have just bought a beater, a white beater. He's taller. He's darker and he's handsome, but he can beat. And after he's here, fasting, prayer will not bind his punch. <laughs> so, prayer will focus you. It will give you a certain inside in your spirit that even though he meets all my things, he is not the one. Even though this work meets my dream job, but something inside is telling me don't take this job. For I looked through the casement of my window and I saw the young man devoid of understanding going into the house of talent. 
And I heard her say, come, for I have given my tithe. I have given my offering. I have perfumed my bed. The good man has gone away to a far country and he's not going to be back anytime soon. Proverbs 7 is what I'm quoting for you. He has taken a bag of money and he won't be back anytime soon. Come, let us have the fill of our love. After I paid my tithe, I saw her, and goes on to say, her way is the way of death. And I saw ignorant fools go there to die. She has cast down many strong men. Her house is the way of death. And that is what happens. That is what happens when you go without prayer. Listen, prayer is priority. Touch your neighbor and tell them prayer is priority. Because prayer gives you strength. Prayer gives you strength. Prayer gives you insight. Hallelujah. Number prayer. Without prayer, you lose passion. Without prayer, you lose passion. Don't be preaching different messages whilst I'm preaching. Don't, don't add scriptures to my preaching. Both of you, I'm just about to kick you out of here. Next Wednesday, don't sit here again. Go and sit there. When it's your turn to preach, you come back. Hallelujah. You lose passion without prayer. You know, Jesus had to go into Gethsemane to pray because he needed passion to face the cross. That's why we call it the passion of Christ. That passion started from the garden. Because the beatings, the insults, the spits, and everything that he was going to receive, without passion, he would have given up. Are you with me? You need prayer to engage the passion. The reason why you don't have passion is because you don't pray. Have you not realized the ones who don't pray when they come to the church of the church, they are very cool. I realize they look very bored and like uninterested and unengaged because there's no passion. That same person when he go outside has a lot of passion for a lot of things. But in the house of God, no passion. Why? Because they are not they have engaged the God of passion through prayer. Hallelujah. Prayer, lack of prayer also makes you lose commitment. Hallelujah. So as a church, if you want to see miracles, signs, and wonders, number one, let's purge the house of God. Also overturn the tables that have been brought in for the money changers. Most developing countries, the people who have the best the money are the money changers, isn't it? The Forex Bureau owners. They are the ones who have a lot of money. 
in most because they they know how to inflate or they know how to exaggerate the foreign exchange. They go and create a story. They go and create a story within two hours. Everywhere you go, the price has changed. Anywhere you bring for money changes, you know you're in trouble. Hallelujah. The house of God must be purged from anything that is not centered on the word of God. Hallelujah. Jesus did not ask them nicely to leave. Bible says he overturned their tables. And he actually whipped them out. Because they will not leave quietly. Hallelujah. Human beings as we are, we, we like our, our hours. How many know what I'm talking about? Our hours is something that we like and we don't want to leave it. We don't like to change what we want to. Somebody was asking me, how did your car grow overnight like that? I said, it didn't grow overnight. At all. We had to overturn some tables and drive some dove sellers and some cattle rearers out with whips to allow the miracle. I'm using an example here. In your life, if you want to see an overturn, you need to violently take out some things. Some habits must be violently purged out. Why did Jesus have to make a, 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 a shambok, a, a, a whip? You need a whip because it's not something that gentleness will drive out. So even though Jesus gentle, make a mouth with a dove, with, with a lamp on his shoulder, looking like butter will not melt in his mouth, would take a whip and actually physically assault people. That is what he did. If you look at it, quite frankly, he should have been jailed for assault. If it was in this day and age, pastor assaults church members. I am sure. The next time you see the pastor has to at his back with uh, cuffs on there. In your life, if you don't drive out some habits with a shambok, it will keep you stagnant. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? We need to learn how to violently drive some things out of our lives. Violently drive some things out of our church. If you want to see miracle signs and wonders, we need to violently remove some things from the church. Because human beings as we are, we like our hours. It doesn't make us bad people, but our humanness is contrary to the things of God. It fights anything godly. So if we are not strong to confront it like Jesus, take the belt, roll it, and go to town on people. We will not get far. 
I'm going to get some boys to carry you out. <laughs> you see, number two, we need to learn. So we are talking about how to, the, the way to, to purge the house of God, isn't it? Number one is what? Overturn the tables. Overturn the tables. Number two, drive out. Drive out the uh, dove sellers and drive in back to the altar, the people of God. So drive out and drive in. I want the people of God to understand that the presence of God is here. So that engaging the altar must become a custom. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? The altar was there, but it was not respected. It was not even noticed. It was not respected in any way. It, was, it didn't have any preeminence. Until Jesus entered the temple and drove out. Remember the prayer that uh, Solomon made in First uh, Kings eight, when he was dedicating the temple. He said that Lord, when anybody sins and comes to this house and lifts up their hands to pray, hear from heaven, forgive them their sin, and heal them. When anybody sits, here. When the house of God is prayer conditioned and is actually the place where heaven meets the earth, miracles, signs, and wonders happen all the time. Am I making sense? When we are able to drive out the money changes, drive out the self, drive out the uh, sheep, uh, what do you call them, dove sellers, drive them out. Then the house of God will see miracles. Am I making sense? He will do tremendous things in the last days when we allow his spirit to be poured out. Amen. First Kings 18. First Kings 18, 30 to 39. I read this in last week. I think, no, on Friday at the Nigeria. The Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The altar was there, but the money changers and the dove sellers and the sheep sellers had overrun the altar and broken the altar down. When we allow the, them to stay in the house or in the temple of God, they break the altar down. When we allow certain habits to fester in the house of God, it breaks the temp- altar of the uh, Lord down. Are you with me? So when Elijah entered the, he entered the competition with the prophets of Baal, the first thing he said is that, now come here, let us repair the altar of God. Verse 31. 
Then Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two sheets of seed. Then he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and filled the four water pots with water and poured it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench with water. Then it came to pass at the third time of the offering of evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, God, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and I have done all this thing at your word. Can you see the word there? Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are the Lord God, that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. It licked licked up the water that was in the trench. Then all the people saw it and they... Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Hallelujah. They had to repair the altar. Amen. After the prophets of Baal have been driven out, repair the altar, put the sacrifice back, fill it with the presence of of God. You know, I I can do a whole camp meeting on this, but I won't. Uh, The water there is a word. Anytime you see water in the Old Testament, it signifies the word of God. Hallelujah. We pour the water seven times, three times, isn't it? The water was poured the water was poured, the water was poured. Why? Because you need the law to engage God. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? You need the word. A lot of us as Christians, we don't take time to know the word. That is why our prayer life is all over the place. That is why Satan has so much strong grip on us. Hallelujah. We build the altar of God in your life. Rebuild it. If you are going to see power in your life, the power of God manifested in your life, there must be work done around the altar. Am I making sense? Those of us who are on online, can you hear me? I want you to put some comments so I can see that you are with me. Amen. If you are going to see power of God manifested, there should be work done around the altar. Amen. The the altar of your prayer must be worked on. How do you work on the altar of prayer? Do you have a prayer altar? Do you have a place of prayer? 
Do you have a time of prayer? That's what I mean by prayer altar. There must be a time in your life and a place of prayer in your house. Hallelujah. Create a place if you don't have one. It could be a chair. It could be a corner. But anytime you go to that corner, it's only one thing. How many understand what I'm saying? And there must be a specific time that you go there every day. The Jews go to pray. Every three hours on the watch, isn't it? Have the morning, three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock, and noonday. The Muslims pray five times a day. They have an altar. Christians don't have altars. Our altars are broken. That is why as powerful as our God is, it looks like our lives are in shambles. It's time to recreate the altar. Rebuild the altar like Elijah did. Put the sacrifice back on the altar and pour water on the altar and call the God of fire to come and consume it. And he can't wait to come and lick it up. Hallelujah. He cannot wait to come and lick it up. Amen. I want to finish. But I want to finish on this note. The first church had a lot of miracle signs and wonders because of their prayer altar. I'll give you a few addresses. You can check it out later. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. All this continued in one accord in prayer, supplications. Amen. It was an activity. Acts chapter 1 verse 24. They prayed and said, Thou, O Lord, which knowest the heart of all men. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking bread, and in prayers. So Acts chapter 1 verse 14, Acts chapter 1 verse 24, Acts chapter 2 verse 42, Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. They had an hour of prayer. Do you have an hour of prayer? I'm showing why there was so much signs and wonders. Why there's no signs and wonders in our church, in our modern church. Acts chapter 4 verse 31. When they prayed, the place that they were was shaking, that they had assembled was shaking and together and they were filled with all, filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Power came as they prayed. Acts chapter 6 verse 4. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They were not going to be dis- distracted by anything else. They needed prayer. Acts chapter 6, verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles when they prayed and laid hands on them. Amen. Before they gave them the job to do as uh, ushers, they laid hands on them and disappointed them. Acts chapter 7, verse 60. And he kneeled down and cried out with a loud voice. This is Stephen when he was being stoned. Lord, lay not this to their charge. Amen. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 40. Peter put his, put them all forth out. He put them out and kneeled down and prayed, turning to him, turning him to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and saw Peter. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. Acts chapter 10, verse 11. Acts chapter 10, verse 30. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. See, prayer was an integral part of everything they did in the early church. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Acts chapter 13, verse 3. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. Have I lost you? So let me go back to Acts chapter 9, verse 40. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. Acts chapter 10, verse 11. Acts chapter 10, verse 30. Acts chapter 10, verse... Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Acts chapter 13, verse 3. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Acts chapter 20, verse 36. Acts chapter 22, verse 17 and 18. Acts chapter 28, verse 8. All these places you see there, first church was active in prayer. Hallelujah. When they write the history of this church, can we see the same thing? When they write your history, can they see the same thing? That you are prayerful person. My house shall be a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of peace. Stand to your feet.